So it's good to be back. Uh, we had a, we had uh, three weeks of vacation, and we did uh, at least four weeks worth of things. We went to California, uh, spent some time with my in-laws. Uh, we came back, spent some time with friends from Colorado who who were here um, uh, visiting Alaska. We went to the Kenai uh, and experienced uh, dip netting, and then we went to Fairbanks. So we had a very busy uh, vacation. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about the the fishing part. Um, uh, because, uh, I was, I was, I had the rare opportunity. We had a world-class dip netting expert who was, uh, guiding us and coaching us and showing us the ropes and telling us exactly how to do it. And he's in this room with us today, uh, uh Tom, Tom Crone. Um, he showed us how to make the net. He, he told us where to, where to do the, the netting, uh, the, the fishing. Uh, and he assured us before we left that the fish would pretty much line up to jump into the net. And apparently some, some years they do, but this year they didn't. And, and so it was kind of a disappointment. We caught four fish in two days. Um, but, uh, actually five because we got a flounder too. Um, but, uh, we were hoping for, for, you know, some, you know, 80 pound king salmon we'd have to throw back or something. But, um, we didn't get any of those. And, um, uh, I, I would be disappointed except I looked around and I saw, uh, none of them were, were catching anything either. A lot of people standing around in the water. Um, uh, waving these these preposterous nets around and not catching a whole lot of much of anything. So uh, I didn't feel like I was somehow being picked on because everybody was being picked on equally. And so it didn't really bug me. But uh, the, the real reason is that while I didn't catch any fish, I did have an epiphany as I was looking at the crowds. And, and this is just a tiny fraction of them. There was, uh, I don't know, a couple of 10,000 people there. How many people? Uh, a bunch of people, a 1,000 people maybe. I don't know, a lot of people. Um, several hundred, um, uh, trying hard to catch fish and not catching many fish uh, there at the Kenai. And I, I, had this, I had this kind of a revelation that people in Alaska fish. And I thought to myself, hey, you know, I could probably do something with that as a preacher. I could probably come up with some kind of a, a, a preaching series based on the idea of fishing. And I know some people don't consider dip netting fishing, right? And, you know, you kind of rod and reel, got to do the, the real fishing kind of thing and and uh, other people figure you, you fish in the grocery store. But, but uh, you know, the very fact that you have those opinions show that fishing is important to you. So I was thinking to myself, all right, what I need to do is I need to preach about fish. And so the first, you know, the first idea when you think about fish is, okay, how about Jonah? And then I thought, you know, you're standing around in water like that. You don't want to know that there's fish that can swallow people, right? You know, it's like it's hard enough maintaining your, your bearings in the mud. So Jonah wasn't going to work. And besides, it was four weeks long. And I was at four, four chapters, four weeks. I was thinking, nah, that's not going to work. So I was trying to think, well, what could I do for five weeks? I really wanted five weeks. And, and I came up with the, the, the name Ichthus. Now, uh, you may be thinking to yourself, but Pastor Luke, you know, one, two, that, that's not five, that's not five letters. That's, that's seven letters. And you are right. In English, that is seven letters. And that's because, um, it is a Greek word. If the, if the kth sound in the middle didn't tip you off, um, that is a Greek word. Uh, ichthus, it is the Greek word for fish. And um, uh, if your kids are into dinosaurs or ever were into dinosaurs, you might have been exposed to something called the ichthyosaur, which is the ugliest, creepiest, scariest uh, fish dinosaur thing you, you can imagine. It makes jaws look like, you know, a little cuddly bunny or something. Um, so, so the ichthyosaur is a really nasty dinosaur. Uh, ichthyologists are people who study fish. But other than that, 
there's not a lot of people in our society who know this word ichthus. There's one exception, and it's a tiny piece of the Christian subculture, people who put this fish on their car. Um, uh, go, go back one more. You see the little fish in the car? You've probably seen it around. And the reason is because this is not just the word for fish. It's a, a third century memory aid. And we actually see it now, now the, this picture. This is found uh, as far back as the early 200s. Um, we find this on inscriptions, including this. This is from a tombstone, a, a burial marker from the early 200s in Italy. And this person uh, who, who is, whose grave this marks uh, put on it this word ichthus and a picture of a fish for people who couldn't read. And the reason was because they wanted people to know when they were gone what it was that was important to them. What was the most important things about them? You know, what do you put on your tombstone? You put the things that you want people to know about you, the things that are most significant in your life. And so what they did is they put this word ichthus. Um, and the rest of the, the rest of the writing there um, is, is in Latin. But this word is in Greek. And so let me show you the letters. Um, it's a, it's a I, and then it's a CH, which is, uh, in, in a Greek, that's an X. That's where we get our Christmas as Xmas. It's actually not an X. It's this Greek letter that means CH. It's short for Christmas. So, um, I, CH, TH, the, the little thing that looks like a minus sign inside of a circle, that's a TH. And then the next letter looks like a Y, but it's really a U. Um, so that's a U, and then finally an S. Now you may be looking at saying that S looks a whole lot different than the, the C up on the on the burial uh, inscription, and you are right, and that's because they changed the style. It's kind of like Old English versus modern letters or something. Anyway, they changed the style of writing them. But what it comes down to is ichthus, fish, and what it is is it's a memory aid from the from the early church, at least the early 200s, maybe earlier than that, and what it stood for was this this little acrostic or this little abbreviation, um, Jesus Christos Theo Huios Soter, which means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. So those five words they thought were important enough that they wanted people to know this is kind of the summary, uh, the 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 easy mnemonic, the memory device. If somebody wants to know what do I believe, what do I think about God. What's my position on the issues? This was the the memory aid that they used to remind themselves of it. And it was Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. So um, that's what I want to talk about for the next uh, uh, four and a half weeks. Um, and uh, uh, what, what I want to do today is I want to talk about Jesus, um, the first word. So Jesus uh, does not, in our language, begin with an I, but it did in Greek. And in fact, in most languages around the world, it does have that same sound. This is the name Jesus. That's the Greek word for Jesus. And for most of the world, that's pretty much the way you pronounce Jesus today. Sometimes they use a Y, sometimes they use a J, but they pronounce it like a Y. English is actually pretty rare. Not many languages pronounce it with a just sound the way we do. So it should be something like Jesus, but we call him Jesus, and he's okay with that. Um, so uh, Jesus is his name, and... Um, uh, there's there's kind of a question, why do we care, really? I mean, uh, Shakespeare asked, what's in a name, right? Would, would, would a rose by any other name smell as sweet? Would Jesus have just as important of a ministry? Would he have done the same things? Uh, would he have been as significant uh, to us today if his name was Henry or George? 
Um, uh, or, or is it important that his name is Jesus? And I think scripture tells us the answer is yes, it is important. And the reason we know that is because both of his parents were told in dreams, uh, in uh, Joseph in a dream, Mary with a visitation from an angel, uh, don't name him after somebody else. Don't name him some family member or something. Name him Jesus. And they were told, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the word Jesus actually means save. So Jesus is Jesus, which is Yeshua, or Yeshua, depending on where it is in the sentence. Yeshua is the Aramaic name for Jesus. And when Jesus was walking down the street, that's what people would have called him, Yeshua or Yeshua, depending on where it was in the sentence. So um, that's that's what most people would have called him. Um, that, in turn, comes from a Hebrew word, Joshua, um, or again, they didn't use the J the way we do, so Yahshua. And that means a God is salvation. The, the four-letter name of God, Y-H-W-H, um, God is salvation. So literally, that's how you get it. Jesus means he will save his people from their sins. So that's kind of the idea. And so God wants us to know that Jesus was not named by accident. So he tells us in the scriptures, in two different places, why Jesus came to have that name. So... Um, the reason being that there is a unique power in the name of Jesus to save, that there is something unique. No other name would have been as effective as a name for a Savior as Jesus. There's something unique about the power of Jesus' name. So what I want to do is I want to look at um, the lesson uh, in, in Acts as we see how that, how that plays out. Um, there's a longer story that I've, that I've skipped. The setup for this in chapter 3 is... Peter and John um, have gone to the temple to pray. They do this regularly, and one day they're on their way to the temple, and they see a lame man. He's laying on the on the pavement, and he's begging. And he, he looks up at them, hoping that they will give him some money. And Peter says, I don't have any money, but what I do have I'll give you. Um, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man does. He stands up. And he begins walking, and not just walking, but walking and leaping and praising God. And he runs into the temple. And when he gets there uh, with Peter and John, people look around and they say, Hey, you're familiar. I've seen you before every day when I come in here. Um, what's up with that? So Peter seizes the opportunity to say, It wasn't me. It wasn't my friend John here. The reason that this man is standing here walking, the reason he's standing, much less walking and jumping around, is that... Uh, there is power in the name of Jesus. He says he was raised by the name of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you killed two months ago. Uh, you were in the crowd uh, screaming for Pilate to crucify him. And so uh, he then preaches a little sermon that we see in chapter 3. And he is in the middle of that sermon, we read in chapter 4, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them. So basically all the authorities show up and they say, what are you doing here? You know, what, why are you here talking about the resurrection of the dead? It says they, are pro, they were annoyed because they were teaching that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so it's irritating to them. Uh, it's probably irritating to them that these Galilean hicks have shown up from out of town and started preaching. But what really gets under their skin is they're talking about the resurrection of the dead. They're saying there is resurrection of the dead, and that irritates them. So they arrest them. 
but it's too late in the day to have a trial. You're not allowed to have a trial at night, so they just put them in jail. But in the meantime, 5,000 people saw that guy. 5,000 people saw him dancing around, praising God, and they said, I know who that guy is. And they, they heard what Peter had to say, and they decided that that story made sense, and they decided to lean their lives against Jesus. So... So that's what happened. And then in chapter 5, we read about the trial, or starting in verse 5, we read about the trial. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with an Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. This is the Jewish Sanhedrin. The way Rome worked is they basically ran the show up at the very top. But local matters, they let the, the Jewish ruling council take care of. So the Jewish ruling council is the Sanhedrin, and they've met now to try uh, Peter and John and this guy standing there. And so they made the prisoners stand in their midst, and they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers, the people, and elders, if we're questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who is sick and are asked how the man has been healed, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which Jesus Christ of Nazareth? There's so many. Well, the one that you killed. You, in this room, acted as a court two months ago, and you voted to condemn him, and then you handed him over to the Romans to execute. That Jesus. He says, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. But Peter personalized it. He, he's quoting scripture here, but he adds two words. He says, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, it has become the cornerstone, and he concludes, there is salvation in no others, in no one else, for there is no other name among, under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Peter says, there is power in the name of Jesus. Three times in these two chapters, he says there's power in the name of Jesus. What does he mean? Does he mean it's a magic uh, incantation? It's like hocus pocus or abracadabra? Can you just say Jesus and, and somehow magic occurs? No, that's not what he means. Although, although, God is gracious. God is gracious. There's this song on the radio. Uh, I hear, I hear, it's on Caleb. And it says, when you don't know what to say, when the words won't come, just say Jesus. And that is true. Because God is a God of grace and mercy. And there are times when you don't have the words and you don't know what to say. I once heard a woman give a testimony and she told the most hair-raising story. She was in an extreme situation. The circumstances are are um, just just horrifying to contemplate. And all she could say was Jesus. She said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And she was saved. And I won't attempt to, to repeat that story. I, I can't do it justice, honestly. But if you ask around, you will find there are other people in your circle of acquaintances who can tell you similar stories. They didn't have the words. They didn't know what to say. The words wouldn't come, and so they said Jesus. So there is power in the name in that sense. But what Peter and John are talking about is a different kind of power. They're saying what the name of Jesus is, is an all-access pass to the throne room of God. That Jesus is the name that cuts through the the secretaries and all the layers of, of interference between you and God. Jesus is the name that gets your request right up there in front of God. And God hears it. 
There's a story from the Old Testament. The patriarch jo- Jacob has has had this a wonderful life. He's he uh, he had to flee home because he had he had ripped off his brother, and so he went off to a faraway land. And God prospered him there. God gave him wealth and a family, and he spent all this time. And now he's coming back home, and he's about ready to cross into the land that will become Israel. And he spends that night wrestling with with a man, and we later on we find out the man is God. He spends this time wrestling with God. And at the end, he asks the man, he asks God to, to bless him, and he says, what is your name? Tell me, Please tell me your name. And the man says, why do you want my name? And the reason is because he wants to be able to call on God. God has been blessing him, but it's been God's initiative. He's never had the ability to say, God, help me with this problem. Help me with Laban. Help me with my four uh, wives and, and semi-wives. Help me with my 11 sons. He doesn't have a name to call on God. So he wants a name, and he never gets it. But we have the name. We have the name Jesus. And in if, if you're looking at the book of Acts, if you turn back about five or six pages to the middle of John's biography, Jesus makes the most amazing set of promises about his name, starting in verse uh, chapter 14 and going through chapter 16. Jesus says, if you ask for anything in his name, the Father will grant it. We have one of those verses. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. That's an amazing promise because there is power in the name of Jesus. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Put it to the test. Try it out. This week, do something in the name of Jesus. In fact, we're told in Colossians, we're told whatever we do, in word or deed, our daily lives, uh, getting up and having breakfast, going to work, coming home, do it in the name of Jesus. But in particular, we see a model here from the book of Acts. Peter and John are on their way to church, and they see an opportunity to do a good deed to a man who's sick. And they do it in the name of Jesus. So do a good deed this week. A lot of you do good deeds. It's not like it's you've never done a good deed before. So do a good deed, but this week, do it in the name of Jesus. See, a lot of the times we do our good deeds because uh, that's the way we were raised, or it just seems like the right thing to do. Or, you know, in my family, my, my, my dad always taught me that this is what we do. Or, or this is the, what it means to me to be a good citizen or, or to be a productive member of society. I do good deeds uh, just because, and I don't really have a reason why. And what the scripture tells us is do good deeds in the name of Jesus. And if you do, you're going to find one of two things, maybe both. You're going to find out that it's easier than you expected if you do a good deed in the name of Jesus. Or maybe what you'll find is really you weren't ambitious enough and you should have tried something harder in the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. I like to imagine what it would be like if the community of Jesus' followers, if the church, not just our congregation, but the entire church around the world were known for that, the way they were in the early church. Known as people who believed that there was power in the name of Jesus. What would we do? What, what, what would the world see us doing in the name of Jesus? Uh, 
there would be opposition. There's opposition in the scriptures. We see that. The Sadducees come and they tell the people um, uh, not to do anything in the name of Jesus. But 5,000 people hear about Jesus and they find out they can lean their lives against Jesus. What would the world be like if we began to start doing the things we currently do just because or because we were good citizens or, or good good people, if we started doing them in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we can come to you in the name of Jesus and that you will do whatever we ask in his name. So we pray this week, Lord, you would give us an opportunity or or maybe many opportunities that you would put before us Uh, ways and reasons to do things not out of our own strength or out of our own desires, but in the name of Jesus. We pray you'd give us ambition so that we can, we can take on tasks we might not otherwise. And that you would show us the power in His name. And it is in His name that we bring this prayer to you. Amen.